Welcome to Alumni Evolution, the official podcast of the Kentucky Wesleyan College Alumni Association. Join us each week as we interview incredible alumni and friends and follow the evolution of their lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Alumni Evolution, the official podcast of Kentucky Wesleyan Alumni. I am Doug Hoyt, and I do have the privilege of being the host of this podcast. Today, I am really excited. We have an absolutely wonderful guest, George Tinsley. George is coming to us from the 60s, an alum from the 60s, and has a storied career, not just in uh, his athletic career, but his business career as well. And so, George, welcome. Thank you. And thank you for coming and spending a little time with us. I'm glad to be back. It's been the first time in a while. And so uh, first time here in the studio uh, since I um, did an interview with uh, Joel Utley one time out here. So it was many years ago, 2010, I think, 2011, somewhere around there. So uh, it's good to be back. Good to see a lot of uh, familiar faces interacting with uh, you know the basketball teams and uh, for and fraternity and uh, so uh, it was a good visit so far. Good. Well, let's uh, let's start by letting everybody know uh, wh- when you were here and what you did while you were here. Okay. Well, I, was, I came in incoming freshman in 1965, right out of Louisville Male High School, um, and. Um, I uh, graduated in 1969. So I came here to uh, play basketball. And uh, that prior, being the priority, get a degree was, you know, if I could get one, fine. Uh, there was not necessarily the primary yeah, thing. Not necessarily the primary thing at all. But uh, uh, it so happened um, that uh, it became priority. And so I was able to. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, the whole f- uh, freshman class that came in together, all five of us, six, that actually graduated on time. So we were the first uh, to uh, to make it. Uh, Joe Bolden and myself were the first black athletes to actually graduate uh, and on time as um, uh, athletes. So um, we uh, we made it. It was a little rocky start for me. Uh, was on probation my first year, you know, um, taking early morning classes, uh, music appreciation, Beethoven and Bach and, <laughs> and New Testament and uh, the religion courses that were mandatory. Uh, I don't know how we got signed up for those programs at eight o'clock in the morning, but uh, it uh, was not an easy thing. And so we. Uh, I think that's got to be yeah. a test. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I think they it. do that. For, <laughs> <laughs> I failed it. Well, so, you know, we, we've all been there. Yeah. 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 So it uh, started off a little rocky uh, from an academic standpoint. Athletically, we couldn't have started off any better because we won the national championship uh, the first year, my first year here as a freshman. And I started and um, uh, played the whole game. Uh, the matter of fact, the whole. First five played the entire game of the championship game, so that was an un- unusual itself. Uh, but, Absolutely, uh, yeah. So uh, a little rocky road starting off, but uh, from that point on, it was all upward. Well, good. So uh, that period of time, uh, if I remember right, uh, you had some also some pretty good teammates. Yes. Yeah. 
We had two guys on the team, uh, Dallas Thornton, number one, who was my high school teammate, and one of the reasons why I came here. Um, he, um, I was one of the top players in the state uh, coming out of high school, and then when he got here, he teamed up with uh, Sam Smith, who uh, had been playing at University of Louisville and had uh, transferred to Wesleyan. Uh, so the two of them were um, uh, the um, number one and number two players, if you will, on the team. Plus, we had a supporting cast of Roger Cardell and Don Bradley. Uh, and uh, that was the other part of the first five, myself. And Jesse, Jesse Flynn was a uh, sixth man. Um, so uh, there's an iconic photo of us walking across campus in our with our letter jackets on and hats uh, uh, that – I get a lot of comments when I post it on Facebook uh, after we won the first championship. Uh, so, yeah. So you you were part of the team that won Division II National Championship in basketball. And then I think you won a second one. <laughs> Not, what, what, two years later? Uh, well, we, we won two more. Uh, championship, okay. but uh, the the my sophomore year, which is when we had our very best team, um, it was the same team back, and the the guys younger guys had gotten younger. The guys that didn't have the experience had gotten even better. So uh, that was our best record. I think we only lost only lost three games the entire year, but unfortunately, I got sick um, as we got into the uh, finals, and so I missed game and that's the game they lost and put us into the consolation game which we won and came in third place so to my teammates I told them I, I did not lose a game uh, the full four years I played here just teasing of course <laughs> uh, so uh, but yeah we, we came in third place that year and then the following two years when Dallas was a senior I was a junior we uh, we won and then in my senior year we won well Congratulations! Thank uh, you. That that is a true rich history. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky Wesleyan amazingly has a very rich men's basketball history mm-hmm. uh, for being such a small school. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, and yeah. and it's it's I'm it had to be awesome to be such a part of that. Yes, it, it, it was, and and the the other side of that equation was that not only uh, for myself personally. Was it uh, a great four years in basketball? But uh, academically, I went from uh, probation to the to the dean's list and received well, the Okanagan. Congratulations! Thank you. Received the Okanavi Award in my senior year, and um, I also um, was elected uh, homecoming king. And king, and my wife uh, was the queen um, in '69. Uh, uh, so uh, that was. Uh, Quite outstanding, also. So, got very involved in the student body and and uh, on campus. So, all of that uh, made it a rich um, four years for me, as far as the um, community is concerned. So, uh, your degree was in education, provisional education, one okay. through twelve. Okay. Yeah. And did you then leave Wesleyan and use that degree? I uh, used it later on. I left to go play professional basketball. I got drafted by the uh, Oakland Oaks and the ABA, American Basketball Association. And I got drafted by the Chicago Bulls in the uh, NBA, as well as U.S. Army uh, drafted me uh-huh. <laughs> as well. So um, I failed the physical, believe it or not. 
And uh, so um, I got deferred. Uh, uh, and, of course, the war came to an end. Uh, and I signed with the um, uh, ABA because they were offering money. And a poor kid uh, uh, jumped, at, jumped at that. And the NBA was uh, standoffish, if you will. They were the mature league. And, and uh, you had to go and make, um, make the team on several different uh, tryouts. And I'd been through that in the 1968 Olympics, which uh, I, uh, I felt I had a doggone good chance of making the team, but I busted my ankle up in the, um, in the, in the trials and uh, uh, couldn't finish the uh, tournament. And uh, so um, that always registered, uh, you know, uh, with me as far as uh, going and trying out. Uh, so the ABA Oaks, they, um, I got a $10,000 sign or, yeah, $10,000 signing bonus uh, that year and uh, went on to sign with them. I bought me a 1969 GTO and I was off rolling. And $10,000 was a lot of money a at that time. Money, a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah, my my, co- my total contract was 25000 And uh, it was not a no cut, but um, it was, uh, you know, I, I had a, a real good opportunity based off of where I was with Oakland. Uh, but by the time I signed the contract, by the time I was r- ready to report to Oakland, the team had folded and moved to Washington. So it became the Washington Caps. And um, five games into the season there, which uh, I wasn't starting, but I was uh, coming off the bench, uh, I got traded. Um, or Kentucky bought my contract. And uh, so I left there and went to Kentucky, which – you know, having played college ball, all American, and everything else, but when you start moving around and all that, it just you know I wasn't ready for that. So, but it was, it was I was excited to get back home, Louisville. Yep. Uh, and um, but not excited to be playing for the coach that uh, was there, who was my high school coach. Oh. <laughs> uh, so he still saw me as a rebounder, defender, and and everything. And of course we had Lloyd Dampier and Daryl Carrier who were our two outstanding uh, guards that uh, the uh, offense was all designed for them, but they got me in to play defense because that's what I was known for in college. And, uh, and I was you know, pretty good, pretty good defensive player. And so uh, uh, depending upon who we were playing is how much time I got to, got to play and had an opportunity to show my offensive skills. So uh, it was uh I played with them one year, and um, and then they did a complete overhaul of uh, the team and brought in uh, Danny Soul and Artis Gilmore okay. and then bunch about six new guys, and so uh, I became expendable and um, I wound up uh, leaving and 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 uh, playing with a semi pro team for the remainder of the year, and then came back and I went to Miami. Floridians played down there uh, for a year, and then I got traded to um, uh, New York to play there and went up there. I just got married. And so um, uh, I had responsibilities. So I had to be careful in my decision-making in what I was doing. Absolutely. And at the same time, uh, I had just found my family, my real family. I was adopted. And um, after getting married, uh, my wife and I discussed – uh, uh, finding my family because we were talking about children, obviously, and knowing who they really were, the real family was, uh, not that, not to diminish the, uh, family who had raised me, but, uh, 
uh, found my father one and we got married in April, found my father in May, found my mother in May and 16 brothers and sisters. So oh, wow. uh, that upset the whole apple cart, if you will, trying to emotionally spread yourself and got a wife that uh, you just recently married to and trying to do all of that. And, and uh, so uh, I think it took away a little bit of my uh, um, drive uh, with respect to uh, playing professional ball because I was just doing so many different things. And uh, it took a lot, you know, as you may know, during the summers to uh, get keep yourself prepared and ready to go into the next season. So it was quite, a, right. quite 1972 right. was quite an emotional year. So professional basketball and then that ended at some point. 1972. Where, where does that take you then? Well, I, I had obviously had a degree, and so I went back to uh, went back to Louisville, and uh, was offered a you know, coaching job at uh, Louisville Male High School, where I had gone to school, um, and I was coaching track and cross country, and uh, teaching uh, anatomy and physiology uh, in the classroom. So uh, with with the intentions that the um, the head coach had been put on probation because of some kind of gambling accusations and so forth, some shady characters hanging around the high school um, and because they'd won back to back championships a couple of years prior and uh, and uh, they were under the microscope. And other coaches were complaining and you know and so forth. So sort of like what Ray Harper went through, if you will, mm-hmm. not, not the same thing, but. Uh, uh, you know, team win, team that's winning all the time. Some um, <laughs> they start looking at you under. Well, they scrutinize you yeah, a little yeah, bit differently. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, the my so my goal was to become the head coach of the basketball team, uh, but um, uh, when the job did come open, I, I enjoyed track and, and cross country also because I did run track and cross country, and and I enjoyed working with the head coach. So um, uh, when the job did come open, uh, Wade Houston, who was coaching at Aaron's, he applied. And uh, so I, and I told him that, hey, you know, he's got more experience and I don't mind setting and learning and, um, you know, understanding the coaching part of it. And so we um, uh, became assistant coach and, and we had a great run uh, and uh, in basketball. We were runner up uh, that year to Central for the state title. Came back the next year, we won the state title. And then in um, uh, senior years, when busing came about, 1976, and so um, we were uh, we got eliminated in the regional. Uh, so we had Daryl Griffith, who was uh, yep. Dr. Duncan Stein, Bobby Turner, and Jeff Mack, who were the star players, but we had a great supporting supporting cast uh, also. So it was a uh, it was a great three year run and and teaching uh, and coaching. I love, but the salary was not well, you too don't, exciting. You yeah. don't teach to get rich. Nope, nope, nope. I loved, as I said, once that kind of wore off, and I, and uh, my uh, wife had just gotten pregnant, so we had a child on the way. So I started looking for other opportunities. The FBI uh, came along. They uh, offered me a position, and in between going through that whole background check and so forth, I Went to work with the Kentucky Fair and Exposition Center as a specialist there, running the fairgrounds uh, with um, with ZZ Top and uh, quite a few of the uh, um, uh, Marvin Gaye, Elvis Presley, and all came through that, that facility at that time. So I was doing that while waiting for um, uh, the FBI and 
And in the meantime, I had an off, I did an interview with KFC Corporation and uh, they made an offer and um, the FBI offer was 14.5. The KFC offer was 16.5 and <laughs> didn't have to worry about a gun, you know, and, and being placed in, in New York City or anywhere where, you know, uh, anyway, I, I chose KFC and uh, that's how my career took the turn to the uh, corporate uh, scenario. And I worked with them for eight years. Uh, and uh, uh, in various different areas, training, working with the colonel. The colonel and I did all the training uh, for the KFC program. D directly with the colonel directly himself. with the colonel, yeah. Uh, the colonel would come in the first day, and he, always, he would come back the last day. And uh, he'd spend a half a day with us each time, and he'd come back with graduation. Um, so I uh, uh, did that for two, two years, two and a half years. And then I got an offer to go to Atlanta and become an operations manager down there for seven uh, operating stores. Um, and uh, then got promoted to 51 stores. Uh, then came back to Louisville as, as the vice president of human resources. Uh, from still K for the same still, KFC. Still KFC, corporate. And uh, I had everything from Kentucky to Hawaii, uh, two regions. Um, and... Uh, uh, let's see, we hired someone for the West region. So, uh, my responsibilities re were reduced. Um, um, then I got an offer to, uh, within to become a franchise manager, which is the liaison between the corporation and the franchisees. So I went to, um, took that offer, went to, uh, uh, South Georgia and North Florida in that market. And Saritha was, my wife was moving, Along with me, she was the vice president of radio stations in those those two markets, Atlanta okay. and uh, Jacksonville, as well as back in Louisville when we came back there. Her father owned WLOU radio station, so she had grown up in the business herself. She was a school teacher, by the way, before uh, uh, before we started these moves. And uh, uh, 1984 got a got an opportunity after working the franchise in with the franchisees, got an offer to become a uh, franchisee myself in uh, Arbondale, Florida, uh, which is a, a bedroom community to uh, Winter Haven, Florida. And okay. we opened our first restaurant there. So uh, that's where we've been for the last 39 uh, years in the in the restaurant business. We actually grew, you know, uh, into multiple different franchise um, organizations and uh, airports and on the street. So so you you mentioned airports because I think one of the interesting things is you, your entry into the airport franchise business. I think that gave you some success, right? Well, I, I was successful um, on the on the on the on the, uh, on the street. Sure, I figure out how to how to yep. mention it uh, on the street. My first restaurant. Very first restaurant was uh, was a tremendous success. The average KFC would do about six hundred fifty thousand, but we did over a million the first year. So it wow. was a in a small town. We were number three, I think, and we were number one in the nation for town size, ten thousand and below. But we were actually number three in the nation for our total volume. All sizes. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, we um, so we started off with a bang. About five years into that, that restaurant burned down. And uh, so uh, we had to, uh, it's a long story around that, but uh, 
but uh, we uh, we reopened uh, and uh, doubled the volume of the restaurant, and so um, and it was one of the top uh, KFCs in the nation for thirty nine years. Wow! I, I sold it uh, last year, and that's amazing. Yeah, so I got into the airport business uh, as I started diversifying after about uh, ten years. In the business, I opened my first um, restaurant in the airport in 1995, uh, TGI Fridays. And um, uh, airport business is totally different. You uh, you have to uh, – uh, most airports have a master concessionaire that runs their restaurant business or runs the retail and also the um, food and beverage business. So you have to – well, that's a lot of politics, and you have to do what's called a request for proposal RFP, and um, and and usually these companies they look for in particular minorities uh, for a partnership, and um, um, so uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, uh, become a partner in, in 1995 and uh, bring the um, bring the uh, Fridays there. So we had a 60-40 relationship. We owned 60, and, and the HMS host was the uh, partner, and they owned 40. But they ran the whole airport. Um, so okay. we had a we had a Fridays there within the within that uh, Tampa airport. So that's how my airport mm-hmm. business started uh, uh, there. And then it grew. Yes. All that, uh, the restaurant business grew for you. Mm-hmm. And what, how did it, uh, what was next? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, well, and, and to answer that question, um, we we did such a good job that as I said, that Fridays became number one in the country, uh, and we developed great relationships. And I use the term "we," meaning um, um, our company. Um, and uh, my wife ran the administrative end, Sarita, and I uh, did more of the operating end. Plus, we had um, uh, other. Obviously, other employees working working with us in our company, and that was uh, Tinsley Group and Tinsley Family Concessions, and also Pingio, three different companies. So um, uh, we uh, had an offer to go down to Miami and get into business down there with uh, with HMS Host uh, with a partnership, and uh, so we had twenty two restaurants down there. Uh, then we came back to Tampa. Oh, of course, I'm still in Tampa, but we came back with a larger share in uh, Tampa uh, with a uh, new air side would develop. Um, and then uh, Louisville, uh, Kentucky had an, had an opportunity, excuse me, that opened up. And so uh, being from Louisville and, you know, with the politics yeah, take and everything. Advantage of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the part, the, the uh, uh, host uh, knew we being, knew us being from Louisville that from a political standpoint, uh, you know, they're always looking for that. My brother-in-law was uh, uh, involved in city government there, and, and we had a lot of connections uh, there, too. So that helped open up the door. So we uh, we moved, we were able to win a contract and go in there with um, uh, six restaurants. All right. Well, that's, that's very cool. Now, you still operate those businesses today. Yes, yes. Um, and family is still involved in those businesses? Family is involved, yeah. Tinsley Family Concessions, that's the only company we have now in the airport business. So my son is actually the president now, and and uh, mom and dad took a little step back. Uh, so uh, 
Uh, we're, Are you starting we're still, to take it a little easier? Uh, trying to. You know, it's just not that easy to do, even at 77. You know, I, I still um, I have the urge to get right in there and get involved. Uh, but, you know, I'm finding, finding ways to uh, step back a little bit. So I, I think I've seen, though, that you have branched out a little bit further into maybe some coaching or – um, management, uh, you, you, I see Facebook. Yeah, you you do a lot of things on Facebook. Yeah, so we have a, I have a, a company called uh, GW Tinsley LLC, which I uh, do coaching, uh, uh, business coaching yes. primarily, uh, speaking engagements, and uh, and also, um, well, we we look at a number of different uh, things, but it's in that realm where, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's. Uh, just, just me, and I work with different groups um, and uh, different opportunities. Writing, r- written one book, uh, I co-authored one book called "The Determined Entrepreneur." Uh, it's kind of a life story uh, uh, about what we've just talked about. Yep. And uh, in the process now of uh, this uh, second book, autobiography, that will be a, uh, a um, audio book. And uh, it uh, working with a publishing company and a ghostwriter, and we're so we're about halfway through the book, and it'll be out in March, March of twenty four. Yes. Well, we have to look for that. Yeah, we got to get the determined entrepreneur entrepreneur in here in the library too, because Corey Crowder uh, kind of jazzed me up about it. he's got a book in there. So, but Roy told me that uh, any any alumni that's publishing they. Try to have the book in the uh, library here. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't know that until t- this weekend. Well, we'll just have to make sure yeah, it gets in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll nudge a, him it, a little it, bit. There's a lot about KFC, uh, KWC in the book because uh, uh, I always tell folks that uh, the four years I spent here is the greatest four years of my life, you know, other than getting married and having two kids and and uh, and so forth, uh, you know. I look back, and and I would challenge uh, uh, my four years here with any anybody that's gone to college and and participated in uh, sports and and so forth. I think we agree on that. Kentucky Wesleyan yeah. becomes part of your yep. DNA. Yep. Yeah. It just does. Mm-hmm. So. Shifting gears, family. You've you've mentioned family several times. Talk about your family a little bit. Well, it's um, we're we're minus one. I lost a daughter two years ago. She came down with Parkinson's, Parkinson, and she had it for three years. She was our my oldest child, um, and uh, uh, so not we we're not sure today where it all came from. But um, you know, she um, um, last five four years she was bedridden. And uh, just battling, trying to uh, battle, get through it. Uh, she had a rare form of Parkinson that just kind of uh, ate her up inside, muscles and, and so forth. And so, okay. uh, um, but my and a son, and he's uh, he's involved in the business. So I, just those two have uh, 24, 25 uh, godchildren that uh, are involved also uh, one way or the other with, uh, with the business. They've... Uh, They've worked in the in it and gone on to do uh, other things, uh, but they're, you know, a few of them are uh, still involved. So, um, and Saritha, you know, she's uh, been um, partner um, 
39 years of, uh, of the, once we got into the restaurant business. So I answered to her, yes, ma'am. And no ma'am. And, and do my uh, thing, stay out of harm's it's way. It's probably safer <laughs> to do that anyway. To you, when you look at uh, <laughs> when you look at business and the restaurant business in particular, as a married couple, the success rate is not that good at all. So, well, you know, George, I, I I tell a lot of people the best two words after I do are yes, dear. Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah. I. I we got married uh, on the way back from the honeymoon and so forth. There was a conversation, and I'd never, ever seen her mad before, never. And uh, uh, something was said, and, and I saw a look on her face and snapped, and uh, I said, whoa. <laughs> so uh, things change after you say I do. <laughs> they they <laughs> <No>. <laughs> do. They absolutely do. When, so you've been married how long? 51 years. 51 years. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank That's you. a good long time. Yes. Um, it's it's not everybody that can say that, yeah. you know, anymore. Yeah. yeah. A marriage that lasts a few years is a long That's marriage. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So uh, where do you live? Lived in, I live in Winter Haven, Florida. Winter Haven, Florida. Mm-hmm. What part of Florida is that? Central Florida. Central Florida. Right in the middle of this bit. Equal equal time uh, drive time to Tampa on the going west and Orlando going east. I live southwest of Orlando. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. So where Cypress Gardens is um, that uh, that area? Not far from Disney. Not far from Disney. Yeah, probably half an hour drive uh, as a crow fly, flies, but actual drive time with the traffic now it's probably it can take you up forty five minutes to get there. Oh, and it's it, it, traffic, traffic is horrible right. anywhere. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of development going on in Florida. And uh, so, uh, I mean, there's stuff popping up everywhere. So you've, you've been successful in life. What, what would you say has really uh, been the, the biggest contributor to your success? Well, you know, I've been blessed um, yeah, by God is the is certainly the biggest contributor. Um, uh, as I, my life started off being adopted and raised by this lady who was 65 that couldn't read or write and walk with a crutch and um, uh, taught me love and respect and um, and the skills that I developed with just her and I. Uh, at an early age, taking care of her and taking care of us and and uh, being very selective of uh, who I hang around with, what I did and and so forth. That responsibility, I think, was um, was embedded there. Um, the religious aspect of my life was uh, was uh, was a core there. Uh, the relationships that I developed uh, with this family that raised me. Um, was uh, I was very appreciative of that, and uh, so uh, I learned to listen uh, and uh, and be respectful. Um, seen a lot of uh, a lot of things that uh, went on that uh, you know could have very easily made the wrong decision. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, I grew up in an area in Louisville called Smoketown, and uh, and in the East End, and there was a, there was a lot of stuff going on. So uh, I think. That um, early beginnings um, and then becoming athletically inclined 
uh, kept me out of um, a lot of mischief. Um, I got in my own share of stuff, but that uh, that kept me out of a lot of stuff because uh, in order to play sports, uh, you had to, um, you know, pass, go to go to school, and so forth. Right. I had a sixth grade school teacher told me to just quit school. You know, go find a job. This was right after integration, and uh, that shocked me. And uh, and I had to prove her wrong. Uh, so that was a, that was one motivation. My seventh grade school teacher, who uh, I gave a commencement speech here in 2010, uh, and she showed up at that at that com, uh, commencement. She um, she changed my life, giving me responsibilities in the seventh grade. I was the projector boy, and um, she noticed that I was having a tough time. She would bring sandwiches, oranges, apples, and stuff to uh, to uh, a class. And uh, uh, still today, she calls me her son and says if she knew how bad it was, she would have adopted me, <laughs> you know, then. But but uh, she uh, showed a lot of compassion and uh, gave me a lot of, uh, I developed a lot of self-esteem in that job responsibility. And to maintain the job, I had to do certain things, you know, in school and, and, uh, and so forth. So, you know that that um, that taught me responsibility and and uh, the athletic side of it. Uh, you know, I, I always appreciated uh, what I did. I was more of a fundamental player uh, that uh, was technically sound, uh, and, the, and the skill set as far as the offense and all that came a little later. But um, uh, being tall and being athletic that got me into a position to be a starter in high school as a sophomore and. Play behind behind Dallas. I mean, Dallas was the man, and and so I picked up right right behind him, and he was always my um, goat, if you will, to uh, to compare against. Um, you know, and so um, uh, followed him here, and uh, Coach Strong uh, recruited me, and so uh, you know, I think the athletic skill, everything that I learned playing sports, teamwork. Uh, preparation, learning how to lose, learning how to win respectfully, and all that carried right on over into um, my business world, the business yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. And so, what 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 lesson could what could you tell people? One thing about business, <laughs> you know, that would make them think. It won't make them successful. Make them think. Well, I always tell folks that, um, you know, prepare yourself. Just don't jump in something and just don't want to be in business. You've got to commit to be in business and understand what it takes and and the competitive side of being in the business, uh, staying fresh with new ideas, new things that's coming down the pike, going to conventions and seeing what's out there and seeing, seeing what that, what, if that works for you. Most important piece, I think, in, in, the, in my business has been my people and teaching them and that, uh, that I was for real in what we were doing. So uh, customer comes first, respect the customer, take good care of them. They're the ones pay your salary. And keeping a clean restaurant, um, taking taking quality, good care of the customer with quality product. And, yeah, people and don't so want to eat in a dirty restaurant. No, they don't. don't. People eat with those senses, the eyes, taste, and smell. So if you, you know, restrooms, keeping the restroom clean, keeping the parking lot clean, when they 
people pull in the restaurants, folks started forming an opinion. Right away. Yeah, right away. So all of those things that uh, I preached and, um, and, you know, being everybody being on the same page, you know, the, the down to the dishwasher, understanding what his responsibility is and how that equates to success. Um, and, um, you know, uh, having quarterly meetings at least and, and, uh, monthly, me- monthly meetings when needed, you know? So, um, yeah, I always respected the brand that, uh, that, uh, I represented and I learned that, you know, with the Colonel, with KFC, uh, the procedures that were established, uh, just because, you know, I'm making a million dollars in my restaurant doesn't mean that uh, I can change it to George's fried chicken, you know. Correct. Like, we got to follow the procedures. We got to inspect. And if the product expired, it goes. You know, you toss it. But you work on your, your projections and make sure that you're closer. You're not having to throw away so much. Um, and uh, the customer's always right, even when they're wrong. You know, so uh, that's uh, – and, and I ran into situations where race – Played a big part of uh, of, of success, so um, had to uh, uh, understand how to deal with that with a smile on your face, and uh, and understand that uh, you know you're you're going to the bank <laughs> as long as you're going to the bank and you're making the profit, money's green, and uh, don't get caught up in all the other stuff as long as someone doesn't touch you. If they touch you, then it's a whole different story. Yep. But they can say, and they're going to say whatever, think whatever. But it's always a challenge for me uh, to turn a customer like that around. I once worked with, as a franchise manager, I once worked with uh, one or two people that were KKK members and did not want to meet with me. First meeting, they had a gun on the table, a recorder on the table. And um, uh, I was a little... A little nervous about it, but uh, within a year, I had a meeting out of my hand because I showed them how to make money. And that, that, that whole thing, I mean, we didn't come become best friends. We didn't go hang out and dinner together right. or anything, but, but they were always glad to see me come because of the ideas and ways I showed them how to, to run their business. And make some money. And make some money. And that's what it takes. Yep. So I, I have to ask, the uh, uh, working with the colonel, Mm-hmm. Right. What kind of a man was he? I figured it was coming. <laughs> the colonel was a very interesting guy. You have to go back and look. Uh, this was he was 76 then. Of course, I'm 77 now, but he was 76 then when I first started with him. Uh, and um, he uh, had held just about every job you can think of. Railroad engineer. Uh, he had done it all. He was a hustler. And he was hard nosed and and um, you know kind of set in his ways. He'd been married several times and and so forth. And eventually he finally hit it uh, when he was in his sixties. Um, he uh, developed the recipe of uh, original recipe in a sixteen quart pot and uh, um, did his own what I call guerrilla marketing with the white suit and bow tie and. And he'd cook in the back with a white suit, and you know, and it wasn't going to get flour; it wouldn't show up. And uh, he'd go out and talk to the customers and find out where they were going and coming from, uh, going north and south on US one, and and um, he maintained contact with those folks. So when Highway seventy five came along and the traffic switched, he uh, took his Social Security check and those contacts that he had and started franchising. 
Uh, so my, my point in giving you that background is that uh, despite uh, some of the things you people may have heard about him, uh, you know, you had to respect that. And you had to respect what, uh, you know, what he did. Now, he and I, um, um, we, uh, it was, we started off with a great experience because um, uh, we did a lot of photo sections, uh, sessions where, I was coming in as a former uh, ABA ball player right. there in Louisville, and and we had the uh, the basketball and the bucket. Uh, we took pictures, uh, and still those pictures are iconic now. Um, and we um, uh, that plaque that I received from Kentucky Wesleyan uh, in I think it was 1974 as the greatest athlete in the school's history at the time. Um, I showed that to him. And he's, he at least looked at it. I don't think he paid too much attention to it. But we did a lot of those kinds of things early on. And so basically, you know, I let him do his thing. When he got through, his chauffeur, have they got him out of there. And then it was my turn to take it from there. And uh, so we, excuse me, had a good working relationship. Uh, there was a couple of blips in the road where I had to ask him to get him out of there and to leave uh, because of, some things that were being said. So he was a free spirit that he, uh, whatever was on his mind, he would say it at the time. And, and, um, you know, um, uh, so, uh, it was, uh, it was interesting at times, but I respected him from the standpoint of, uh, of the business, uh, and how he did business. Of course, of course it did not match or fit into what we were doing corporate wise because, we were selling extra crispy. He didn't like. We were doing other things to support the big volume, that and a volume okay. of people and the sales volume we had to get to to order, order run a, in order to run a business. And if it, it what during his time when he was franchising, you may sell original recipe chicken, but you also sold fish. You may sell uh, ribs. You may sell any other entree as well as liquor and, and so forth. So a lot of the early franchisees, they had KFC in there, the, the KFC original, but they didn't have the rest of the gamut. It was only when John Y. Brown bought the brand and uh, they started formalizing the KFC with the red and white roof and, um, you know, just strictly uh, KFC was the first uh, uh, step towards uh, formalizing the brand. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, George, we are nearing the end of our time together. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this. I sure. certainly have. Yeah. And I thank you for being with us. Uh, I always like to ask this question to my guests. So I'm it, way out of left field. Okay. What's your favorite vacation? I have not been on a vacation in so long, uh, but the plan is to go to Dubai. That's my. That's going Dubai. to be right now. That's that's the um, bucket list. Uh, I've got Barcelona. I've got got um, uh, packages to both places. We just have not been able to go. Uh, Australia was my um, bucket list, but uh, after visiting there, um, I was not what I expected to be. But at least I had a chance to go. So, um, um, Dubai, Dubai. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Uh, I know everybody's going to be fascinated to hear this. Uh, <clears throat> we are attempting to 
get the message out about Kentucky Wesleyan, and I think we we both share the passion for Kentucky Wesleyan. So, any final words? Well, whoever's out there listening to this uh, podcast, I hope that uh, there's something uh, that was mentioned that would encourage them to get involved with KFC either as a a student or as a supporter or uh, just uh, keep our name out there because it's it's a best-kept secret. Thank you very much, George. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, best of luck to you. Thank you. And uh, so that'll conclude this edition of Alumni Evolution. I am Doug Hoyt, your host. And until next time, have a good day. This has been another episode of Alumni Evolution, the official podcast of the KWC Alumni Association hosted by Doug Hoyt, class of 1984. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow the Alumni Association on social media at KWC Alumni. See you next time, Panthers.